This is Tiger Hall. How can you use generative AI to better your creative processes and content? We're speaking to Paul Meinschausen, co-founder and CEO at AMP, a B2B SaaS product aiming to transform revenue tech for mobile with AI messaging. Paul was previously co-founder and chief data officer of Paysense, a fintech consumer credit startup in India that was acquired by PayU in 2019 for 185 million US dollars. A slight caveat to our conversation, Paul is not a creator himself. He's a data scientist. Here's our conversation. Okay, Paul, how does generative AI work in the context of creative processes? Okay, so one of the things I think is most interesting that's going to happen is we want to think about creative processes in two ways. Think of the traditional or conventional notion of creators. We think of novelists, right? And this is very much one to many. And in a one to many world, there's a certain amount of consistency and a voice that you develop. Now, there, there's a lot of questions, right? How does AI change one's own brand, one's own voice? We think about art the same way. How much of this piece of art or this creativity is this person's versus supplemented or created, generated by AI? I think to kind of maintain the personality, which I believe is important for creators, you'll see AI play a more supportive role. But the key thing there, that distinction between one-to-many and one-to-one is that in the one-to-many world, there still needs to be some consistency, some brand voice. It's still that person that's speaking and everybody's hearing the same thing. Mm. There's a huge world of creativity, though, that falls under more marketing, that falls under more organizational, where that's not necessarily the case. And what we're seeing in this explosion of an ability to do many to many. And so one brand can generate ads or can generate marketing copy or can generate, even we're going to see websites, which are specifically built and created for individual people like you and I. And there, what you don't care about necessarily is consistency of the creator. You care about consistency of the experience as an end user, as an audience of one. And there, AI can enable that. Because as an individual creator or even as a production team, I mean, we all know that very successful artists and creators are not actually one person already. There's huge teams behind them, production teams, assistants, all these things that actually allow that person, you know, Joe Rogan or Mr. Beast or whoever it is to generate that content. Don't ruin the illusion for me. <laughs> well, in a world of many to many, I think that's even more the case, but more of it can be technology. But I think that's going to be quite amazing for, let's say, marketing teams. I was just speaking to the head of CRM for a very large food platform in Asia. And you can think of them writing notifications or writing messages or engaging with their foodies in a very powerful way, if all of a sudden those messages can be generated really specifically being more humorous or more fact-based or more focused on the popularity of food or the taste of food that's very specific to that person. So I think in both cases, AI is going to massively change, but you really should be thinking about what context you're talking about to sort of think about how the AI will change our workflows. Mm. You know, at the moment, every time I open Instagram... There's always dozens, really, of influencers in my face telling me, here's how I use AI to create this, to create that. I mean, I just, it really makes me wonder, 
if someone has always prided themselves on their ability to be creative and to have this creative mind, and that's been their meal ticket, are they now obsolete because a computer can be more creative than them? Well, I think no. Until we start to sort of see specific flavors of an AI generate personality and begin to take on enduring characteristics that we can recognize and somehow anthropomorphize and actually identify as a person that could be like us and kind of begin to care about it the way we do, let's say, our favorite TV show character. Until that happens, I think all AI is really doing is just making it easier for creators to express themselves. Mm. The issue is, is of course, you can do that more skillfully and less skillfully. And so I think what you're sort of seeing and what I'm seeing for sure is a lot of low skillful attempts to use AI to express yourselves because everyone's doing the same thing. You're going to whatever your large language model tool is or your AI tool is, and you're saying, write me a listicle, you know, that talks about five things you can do to not miss out. Once you've seen five of those, you've seen all of them. And so that's just a low skill use of the technology. Yeah. A lot of the posts about AI are getting very repetitive. Yeah, very repetitive. So one thing that I know worries people when using AI in creativity is the idea of, um, perhaps it's not plagiarism as such, it's more, is what the AI has created, what the AI has helped me generate, to what extent can I claim this to be my work? We did a live stream a, a couple of weeks ago with Ali Shabazz, who's the chief creative officer of MNC Saatchi. And I mentioned this to him and he said, yeah, people have got to get out of this mindset. There's an almost guilty mindset of using AI, a bit like getting someone else to do your homework. I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think to some extent that's right. I think what people are catching on to is, is that element of, is this an actual reflection of the person that they care about behind the scenes? And I think that, again, is the piece that we often miss, is that what people care about is the story behind the creator, not necessarily the specific image or the specific thing they said at any one point in time. They've identified with that story of that person. And if this thing is somehow more distant from that person, then that is what feels jarring and feels disruptive. It's sort of like this notion of hypocrisy or two-facedness. You know, there's just something very deeply intuitive, I think, that we worry about is what we want to know is, are we actually getting the person that you think you're getting? And I think that's what's happening there. Now, on the flip side, as a creator, to what extent is what you're saying a reflection of a research process that you've done or a series of like experiences that you've had. And I think we're still figuring out what that means. Because if you sit in a desk, if you sit in your room and you're creating all day just by using AI, right? You could almost imagine like that is less a reflection of your lived experience. And so it is more likely to be similar to something else someone else produces, but also maybe it just takes on less of your story. Whereas if you've got that AI in your pocket and you still, as a creator, you go out in the street and you have a bunch of experiences and you live it and the AI just helps you capture it and record it and then embellish it or make it nicer, that's potentially going to be perceived as more authentic. And so I think you're going to see more of that where the technology needs to be able to follow you around rather than just sit at your desk with you and generate it entirely. So you can just sort of think of a ratio of what you put into it and what comes out of it. 
And you want that ratio to be somehow balanced. That doesn't necessarily mean it's be 50-50, but you don't want it to be the only thing you put into it was you sat at the desk and you typed out a sentence in the prompt and then it gave you a whole thing and then you put it out in the world. That's like a 10-90 ratio. Whereas if you go out and do something and you see something and you experience something in a particular place, and then you say, hey, I t- talk about this building that I just walked by and that person I just saw and tell a funny story about it. You see what I mean? That ratio is a lot more balanced. I think that's probably a more satisfying future for everybody. But again, I think that we're in the realm of a lot of speculation here and also personal preferences. And I think the safest thing to sort of say is we have no idea. There's a lot of disruption happening. But I think about technologies that are, again, more responsive to your story. I think that's where I would place my bets. So interesting. And yeah, evolving very fast, possibly in a few weeks time, I'll listen back to this conversation and be like, oh, well, that's already out of date. (laughs) Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt my own conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. What are some of the areas where generative AI can be applied effectively for businesses when it comes to enhancing creative processes and content for their business? I think one of the first things a business should do is not necessarily ask, where is generative AI going to be useful and then follow that. I think the best place to start is actually, where do you currently feel constraint and pain and opportunity? And then ask for examples for that. And then that's kind of the problem with a lot of the listicles is people are like, these are the things you should do. And I think that itself is sort of a reflection of an older world where everyone has to do the same 10 things or the same five things. Different businesses are in different places in terms of what they struggle with or where they personally see opportunity as business leaders. And so I think the better way to have this process is to really ask yourself, what are the current processes you have? And then which one of those can be improved and made more efficient or more effective with AI? I'll give just a couple of examples. So as I said, a lot of business content is not necessarily, you know, maybe it reflects the brand, but it's not reflecting an individual person. So the notion of authenticity is different. It's better perceived as many to many. And so businesses can create many forms of messaging, many forms of ad. What they'll need to start doing is being able to manage all of those forms of the ads and have systems to manage them and then have systems to allocate them to users. And that's not the stuff that you see on Twitter or LinkedIn, where it's kind of like, look at this example of how I wrote 100 different ad copies. It's more the second order effect of that. All right, now you've generated 100 different ad copy or 1000 different ad copies. But you did that last week too, and the week before and the week before. And what are you doing copying and pasting out of chat GPT into what into a spreadsheet and then loading it into your system. So this is like a whole operational support system that has to go behind the scenes and manage this continuous stream of content. It's not the sexy stuff that you see of like, whoa, in a minute, I generated 100 notifications or 100 headlines. It's the stuff behind the scenes that sort of say, all right, you've generated hundreds of headlines and you're generating more of them. And then, okay, well, what do you do with them? How do your systems actually distribute them? How do they connect them into your emails or connect them onto your website or connect them into your mobile app? 
However your business interfaces with its customers, you could think of that as a distribution channel. And you need to be able to take all the cool generative stuff and actually productionize it in a way that can be allocated. If you've got 100,000 followers or a million users, you can't be deciding that one user gets one message and another user gets another. That doesn't scale. That doesn't work. You need a system to do it. And that's a different system than the one that generated the content in the first place. Thinking about content management systems is going to change very dramatically, very radically. And I think it's a very good place for companies to invest in technology and tooling to support themselves. So, Paul, for people who work for companies who've just heard what you've said about taking things from ChatGPT, putting them in a spreadsheet, I mean, that's what so many people are currently experimenting with. You know, awkward. You know, what do you suggest they do instead? How should they be doing this? Well, it's early days yet. I don't think the software that we'll see in six months is what we have now. So, you know, as we just said, this might not be relevant six months. One of the things I do besides running my own startup and my own company is invest in a lot of startups. And many of them are doing work in this space. They're not well-known names yet. Hopefully they will be one day. There are growing bodies of technology, what is called a lang chain, which is basically ability to chain together. Like you write a prompt, right? And you write a prompt to do something. And then you might want to write another prompt to do another thing. The ability to kind of connect these into these chains of instruction sets and construction sets, production sets, that's a technology. But right now, it's really more behind the hood. So it's more something that developers would be familiar with. I think there's not as a nice a UI for someone to like a marketing person who's entirely non-technical or a brand communication specialist, for example. I think for folks like that, they're still kind of struggling with the chat interface of these tools. But I think what their life's going to look like in 12 months is pretty different from that today. I don't think we can point to any big brand names that do that for them yet. I'm more making a kind of product prediction. If you're in the mobile space, I would definitely check out Amp, my company, because that's exactly what we do. But yeah, I think to the extent you're working at a big company that has an AI team and you're thinking about how to use that team and guide that team and your CEO or strategy person is thinking about it, I think that's the direction that you should be looking. Because if you stick too long on this current strain of generate, 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 and you don't think about the next step, you will quickly drown. You will drown in content and you will drown in decision-making. And then there'll be a backlash. And that I think will be unfortunate because everyone will be like, oh, AI, but now I don't know what to do with it all. So forget it. I'm going to go back to the old ways. Mm. So yeah, a lot of our listeners will be from big MNCs who I'm sure have AI teams, but the person who's clicked to listen to this, they might be sitting in the marketing department. They've never spoken to the AI team. So, you know, lots of people are sort of in their teams trying to muddle through how AI could be utilized for them. Yeah, it's tricky. Okay, Paul, can you give us some wrap-up things to think about? What would you like people to go away and ponder after listening? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things, I think, is just think about whether you're in a context of one-to-many or many-to-many. If you're one-to-many, that means... The identity of your voice and of your story matters, and everyone still needs to have the same thing. If you're a novelist, that's who you are, and everybody knows you, and everybody shares and reads the same novel. And if you're on Instagram, everyone's going to see your same content. The way you use AI is different than if you're a marketing at a big MNC, where it's not about the person, it's the platform. It's many to many. So now you can generate a hundred copies of your ad or a thousand copies of your ad 
or a thousand versions of your website or a thousand versions of your email. And every user could ultimately get a different email. That's many to many. So that's the first distinction. I think it's really important to keep in mind so you don't conflate use cases from one space to the other because they're really different. The second, I think, is thinking about generative versus distributive. Everyone's talking about generative AI, but generation just generates the thing. You still need to distribute the thing. And if you generate a lot of something, you need to figure out how to distribute it. Distribute it means allocation, making sure that every individual gets something. And that's really important because otherwise we end up generating a ton of stuff, but still sending everybody the same stuff. That'd be a distribution failure. And so I think that, especially for MNCs, we have to be thinking about that side of the problem, the distribution problem. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favor. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.